0: <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullah, barikatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil alamin. Sallallahu alaihi wa barakatuh. Anbiya Muhammad wa Ala Ali wa Shabi wasallam. Tasliman kathiratum ma ba'd So among all of you here, alhamdulillah in this room, how many of you are blessed to be parents? Raise your hand if you are blessed to be parents. MashaAllah. How many of you guys are blessed to be children of other parents right now? All of us somehow. We are kids of somebody we call parents, right? But when it comes to now, Birul we always think about it in one direction. This is what the problem is. We always look at it from one direction. We don't see the other direction as well, too. Because our kids, we expect them to be, of course, dutiful to us. But what about us? Are we dutiful to those who are supposed to be above us? And so on. So there's a sequence when it comes to the subject of Birul whether you are married or not, have kids or not, You are involved in Birul Walidain. And once insha'Allah you have your own children, then your role now shifts to another direction right now. So parents, what is the primary job for parents? What is it? To make their kids life hell, right? No, seriously, what is the main role of the parents in the household? What do they do? It's in the name. What do they do? Parenting, right? So what is parenting? Now that is a subject we're not gonna be discussing tonight. That's a whole different game. But we're gonna discuss the other one, which is basically the, the children right now, the the product of this parenting, how should they respond to their parents' parenting? Birul walidain, that's what we call birul <laughs> walidain. Now, I wanna hear from you guys, how many of you have, alhamdulillah, an awesome, perfect, amazing, Jannah-style, you know, family life? Raise your hand. Okay, few, alhamdulillah, you're blessed, guys. <laughs> Because the majority obviously they don't. The vast majority of people, they have interpersonal relationships. Whether you deal with your siblings, with your parents, with your children, there are issues. And whenever you deal with people, of course, obviously, when you have interpersonal relationships, what happens? You know what that is? Friction. And that friction obviously requires what? Certain etiquettes, manners, akhlaq, conduct for us in order to perfect that, inshallah. Wa here we're going to talk about Birul walidain and what it means to have the true right, the right meaning of Birul walidain inshallah, wa ta'ala. But first, let's talk about what are the top five acts of Birul walidain I'm going to give you one minute. Talk to those who are sitting next to you. Discuss together what are the top five actions of Birul walidain What are they? Go ahead. Let's hear from you after Sure. I'm going to go actions to have respect, and obedience, oh, That's too big. Uh, sir. But they're still all broad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bismillah. Let's hear from you guys. Let's hear from you. Tell me, what do you think the top five acts of Burul Waladain? What would they be? Wait a second. Yes. Respect, to respect them. But what does respect mean? To obey them. To obey them. What does obe- obedience mean? If they follow everything they ask you to do, what's going to happen to your life? No, in, terms of D, in terms of D, what about dunya? I know, right? I'm judgmental right now. But no, when you say respect our parents, does raising our voice, <laughs> raising our voice, Means disrespect? What do you guys think? Raising your voice. I'm not saying screaming or yelling, okay? I'm just saying raising your voice. Because we live in a culture right now, you know, the, 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 the loud voices is, is, is normal, right? When we talk like this, maybe your parents would tell you back in my days, when I used to do that, you know, I'll be I'll be vanished basically after that. But today it's it's normal. So is that considered disrespect right now? Huh? The parents say yes, it's disrespect. The kids say no, it's not. So let's talk about again. What are the concerned act of Then you said respect. Anybody else? Yes. So basically, you become spontaneous about reading their mind, knowing what they want, and Bismillah, you do it right away. So before your mom asks you, did you pray? Alhamdulillah, I did the Sunnah and Tasbih and Du'a for you as well too. And she goes, MashaAllah, righteous child. Alhamdulillah. Is that what you're saying? Okay, very good. Anybody else? Yes? Be truthful. What does mean, that means to them? To be truthful. Not lying to them? And why would you lie to them? You have to get out of troubles, or because you don't want to disappoint them? Most kids lie because they don't want to disappoint their parents. So it doesn't mean it's right or wrong right now. Just a different story. But yeah, being truthful with them. What else? Yes? Taking care of them when they get old. Right? How old are we talking about? 45? Right after you get married? Okay, what does that mean? Yes, go ahead. Making dua for them. What kind of dua? Good dua, right? Good dua, that's what I'm saying. Just good dua. Okay. What does Ihsan mean here? Doing your best. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah did not give us any indication to how to do it. But he gave us what? Direction. What kind of direction did he give us? Ihsan. Whatever you want to do with your parents, make sure to do it with perfection, with excellence. That's something we need to understand about Birul Walidayn. Next. What about today? Why is it so hard to practice Birul Walidayn today? Any ideas? Yes? Generation gap? What is the major difference between these two generations? What is it? Social media. Actually, it is social media, because social media has become a huge platform from which people learn from each other. Back in the days, learning it has to be interpersonal with people, with real people. But today, you have a huge platform, and all these cultures and ideas, and everything is there. If you don't, want, if you don't listen to people, you just watch you know, videos. If you don't watch videos, you just read memes. All that stuff, you learn from stuff like this. And as a result, it's shifting the culture of the understanding of parenting. What else? Huh? Individualism? We live a culture where trying to be themselves. Like sometimes, which is something becoming very common these days. I hear from parents who, mashallah, raise their kids, alhamdulillah, until they send them to college. And the moment their kids graduate, go you know what happened? The kids get married without their parents' consultation. And they say, I found somebody. I said, look, what? What do you mean you found somebody? Just, your cousin, she's still waiting. <laughs> right? So they take certain directions on their own. And that's for them, it's just like because the kids they're growing up right now with that mindset that you know what, it's you, you need to build yourself. Which is true, there's nothing wrong with that. But we're missing the 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 other side of our our life, the social part of it. That we are part of a, an entire constellation as a family together. What else do you guys see that makes it difficult to practice parenting today? Yes. Absence of role models. You know, today, I mean, there's a a, a problem with the definition of of masculinity. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a a father? What does it mean to be a father figure? There is a lot of confusion today. Many of our young ones right now, they're growing up with kind of like fail launching into adulthood. So they're having problems and and, and moving forward with their lives. It kind of like comes late for them in their lives. There are a lot of cultural shifts over here. What else do you guys think maybe make it difficult? Yes. Say it again. So growing up in a place different than theirs, right? So they grew up somewhere and you grew up over here. We have two different cultures right now. And as a result, again, we have the cultural gap as well. So, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm so different values but they don't understand that it's not yeah of, it's correct culture? so we have we have value, value system is different so who's who's holding on she says there is a difference between the cultural values and religious values who's holding to religious values who's holding to cultural values the younger generation is holding to what religious values or cultural values who is holding more to religious values? Is it the parents or their children? Did you hear the, 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 the deep voice of the parents? They say the parents. I heard that from that side. MashaAllah. The parents, they say, no, we're holding on to the religious values. Our kids are just like whatever that culture that they bring in with them, it's different. So we have a struggle right now agreeing on who's holding on to what is culture, what is Islamic. But I agree sometimes the difference between the values system we, we're, we're bringing into the family is causing a problem with parenting. As we see, there are some issues here. We we learn right now that when it comes to the top acts of al Walidain, we don't have any specific, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it very broad. He says, Ihsana. Whatever that you think you've done to do to your parents, do it with Ihsan. And then when it comes to why is it so difficult today, we have different systems, different values, whether it's cultural, Islamic, religious, or anything else. But we do have some differences when it comes to al Walidain. So let's understand together what's the meaning of Birul Walidain. In the Arabic language, birrulwalidain, two words. We have "al walidayn which means the parents, mom and dad. But then we have the word birr. Where does the word birr come from, anyway? If I say the word birr, what other word, those who understand Arabic, could be close to it, birr? If you understand the triliteral system, the three letters, what is it, where is it coming from? al-birr comes from ba-ra-ra, right? So al-ba-war, say it again. al-bar, what is al-bar? What is bar? The al-bar is the opposite to the la, to the sea, so we have the sea and we have the land basically. When we talk about bar means actually an open space, an open space in the land, which is why when your parents want to kick you out of the house, what do they say? Itla barra. What does barra mean actually? It's a, it's a slang. But it's actually it's coming from the meaning get out of my face, go as far as you can in distance, basically. That's what it means. Yani. Because it comes from barra, which is the open space. So when we say Birul walidain, it has something to do with the expansion of the meaning of it. Like there are no boundaries to it. That's what it means. Birul walidain has absolutely no boundaries to it. So if you try to define it with certain boundaries, you're probably going to limit that. And you're going to fail in trying to understand the meaning of birr waliday. So it has to stay very open. That's number one. The other thing, the word birr also comes from al-khiyarah, which means something good. That's why the righteous people of al-jannah, they've been called what? Abrar. Abrar. The righteous people of al-jannah are called Abrar. What about the angels? What did Allah Taala call the angels? Barara. Barara. Also, they're good. Then in their essence, they're good. But abrar for the people, because they're not in essence they're good, their actions are good. But overall, barara comes from the khayr, and also comes from being very expansive and very wide. So when we talk about birul keep that in your mind. If you try to define birul al with one or two elements, you're going to limit that so quickly. But keep it expansive. So whatever that is, in, in, in the different areas, you have to think as far as you can as you can. With defining goodness to the parents. Of course we're going to talk about some limitations afterwards. Okay, now there is something else besides Birul Walidain called Hubul Walidain. What's the difference between Hubul Walidain and Birul Walidain? What do you guys think? Hub means what? Love. And Bir means to do good, to be dutiful. So uh, which one is the one we are responsible for when it comes to our parents? Yes. So you say your obligation is to do bir al walidin because not everybody is capable of doing hub al walidin, right? But what's the difference between the hub and bir over here? You mentioned, but I want to be precise. Yes? Okay. So, but what is it? What's the difference between hub and love here? Yes. Action. which one is the action? Bir and hub. You see hub is actually sentimental. It's 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 an emotion. And when it comes to emotions and feelings, I have no control over these things. Even the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith, when he was distributing the provision for his households, what did he say? He said, Ya Allah, this is what I can control the provision, the, my, the financial provision. Don't hold me accountable for, for, for that which I cannot control, which means his inclination, his love to Aisha, for example, more than another wife, and so on. Means sentiments and feelings, they're not under our control. We can't control that easily. But bir is an action. So therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alhamdulillah, that Allah Azza wa Jalla has made obligation upon us to perform what? birrul walidain Because if it was hubbul walidain those who have serious issues with their parents, they are going to have a hard time doing that. You might say, but why would they have any issues with their parents? They will. Because we're going to see not every parent is actually a responsible parent. And therefore, you might have some serious issues, serious damage in a relationship. Therefore, can you love a parent who's been, let's say, abusive or something like that? We're gonna see. The idea is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is asking us to perform the actions of love, even if they don't come from the heart. So when it comes to taking care of them, when it comes to showing them respect, in a of course reasonable way, when it comes to do whatever it requires to do, we do that. I might not, it might not come from the heart, but I still need to show them that respect and that love. And so on. specifically, when they get older, as Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the ayat and the Quran, as we're gonna quote them later, especially when the yabluga. Al-kibar, when they reach that age. So we're responsible to show them the actions of love, even if that doesn't come out from the heart. You might say, but it's going to be hard. Absolutely. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests people with each other. That's a test for, for me, towards my parents, and a test for my parents also with me too. So be careful. Don't mix these two things. And our obligation is actually to perform the actions of love through doing the birr. Now, why is it so significant to do bir al Like to show whatever we can of goodness to our parents. Number one, because it's the second in command after worshiping Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. There are many ayat in the Quran. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wa Allah, That's the first command. And Then he goes after that, "Wa bil You worship Allah and only Allah Azza wa Jalla with no partners with Him, and then and be beautiful to your parents. Subhanallah. Like after Allah Azza wa Jalla's obedience comes the obedience to your parents. Or after Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for Allah Azza wa Jal, we give it to our parents. So this is how, how valuable, how serious that is. The second thing when it comes to birul walidain is that it's the gate to al-Jannah. In hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, "Ragima anfu, ragima anfu, Which means, another translation to this, instead in disgrace, is may his nose be rubbed in the dust. Like may, may this person be humiliated and insulted this person. And the Sahaba were shocked and were so scared. قالوا يا رسول الله من who, who is that? The one who reaches that age with their parents when their parents become old And one or one of them فدخلناه He did not go into Al Jannah because of that. Like if someone reaches their parents reach their age, and they were not a gate to Al Jannah to you, like like the Prophet says that this person he deserves it. Deserve to get into Jahannam. May Allah protect us from this, Ya Rabbil Alameen. So, parents are just gates to Al Jannah. Also, one of the reasons why it's so significant, because it's showing gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala speaking about our relationship with our parents, He says, We have enjoined upon the children about the insan in regards to their parents. The mother. She carried him, increasing, of course, you know, months and weeks and heavier and gets heavier and more difficult. She gets weaker and weaker while that child's getting what? Stronger and stronger. So basically, what Allah is saying in this ayah that you're growing into the belly of your mother, sucking life out of her. Like you're taking her energy, basically. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Anushkul For this, there is enough reason. To be grateful to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala first and foremost, and then he says, and to your parents. That's very significant, very very important. That's why some of the ulama they say that our parents, our parents, they deserve burul walidain by the virtue of giving birth to you. I know some people who have difficult relationship with their parents might say it differently, but just that in itself is actually is sufficient. Next, it's a form of jihad obviously those who uh, know how difficult it is to deal with difficult parents sometimes or maybe relationship wasn't very good they know what that what that means cuz sometimes your parents might a little bit you know take their authority overboard a little bit and they ask you for things that might not be reasonable and now you struggle between obeying your parents being respectful but at the same time doing what is right in that regard so it's a big struggle over here and also when your when your parents they get older and now physically, they're 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 not mobile as they used to be before. They become very dependent on you financially, emotionally, physically. It becomes extremely hard for people who have you know other duties to take care of at home to take care of their parents too. So it's very very difficult. Which is why it was made as a jihad fi sabilillah. The Prophet wasallam he saw a man who came to him. He asked him to go with him uh, 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 for al-jihad fi sabilillah. And the Prophet told him, he goes, "Hayun Walidak, Your parents are they still alive?" He goes, "Yes." You go because your jihad is there with them. And a lot of people that rather go out and struggle, you know, for da'wah and doing things out there for volunteering and so on. And they're willing even to travel to go and serve the refugees, you know, across the, 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 the ocean. But they're not able to do a fraction of this at home with their parents. Why? Because it's easier to deal with, you know, with those who are not very related to you. And there's no history than dealing with your own parents. It becomes very hard, which is why it is actually a form of jihad. Showing a birr to your mother is very crucial and important. Not just birr walidain, the birr for your mother. The Prophet Sallallahu he was asked another narration besides this one, Qala Ya Rasulullah, he asked the Prophet Sallallahu nasi sahabati? Who is the most entitled to my best companionship? Now for us today, if I ask you who is the most, you know, entitled to your companionship, what do you say besides the hadith? You look for a friend, maybe your cousin or someone you like, you know, whatever, right? So the man he was expecting an answer similar to this. So the Prophet said, "Your mother," and the man was shocked, like he wasn't expecting that answer. He goes, "Qala thumman ya who, who comes next?" The Prophet says, said, "Your mother." Now the man is just like confused. Did he repeat himself, sallam, or or that what was meant to be the answer? So he tried it again. He goes, "Qala Rasulullah man? who comes next?" The Prophet says your mother. When he said it three times, that's when the man realized, oh, okay, I get it. Like the Prophet is telling him, don't you ever think about it. Don't you ever try to think that your, your cousin, your sibling, your friend, your teacher, whatever, no one deserves the best of the companionship better than your mother. So when the man got it, then he says, Rasulullah, who comes next? That's when the Prophet says, your father. Now, we don't know if the man asked the Prophet who comes next. I guess he gave up on this. But at least we know that three quarters goes to the mom and one quarter goes to the dad. I know a lot of dad they say, that's not fair, Sheikh. Especially now, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm doing the same thing like their mother does, right? Well, regardless of what you try to do, there is nothing. Like Ibn Umar, he said to the man who comes, he carried his mom on his back for an entire year. Like he was the ride for his mom. And even he took her to Hajj on his back. So when he saw Abdullah ibn Umar, he goes, you know, I carried my mom for a whole year. Did I pay her back what she did? Like he thought, you know, nine months in her belly. I did a year, alhamdulillah. And Abdullah ibn Umar, he says, Qal, wala hatta zafra. not even one blow when she was giving birth to you. Like, are you serious? You want to count this to that? So again, it is something extremely serious. And I don't know if the kids, they really understand this value. But as a parent, subhanAllah, when you go with your wife, and your spouse in the delivery room and see the child and the suffering that the lady, she goes through, delivering that baby, subhanAllah, hours after hours after hours, everything in it goes smooth, alhamdulillah, but if it gets complicated, it becomes dangerous. You can't unless you really, you're there to see it or even to live it. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ kept saying your mother three times. What about the father? What about the father right now? The Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith, no one really, no child will compensate for the parents, in this case, the father, unless you see him like being enslaved and you set him free from that, from that misery. Now, that's a kind of like more of a metaphoric expression in that regard. Like You can't until you give him his life back. That's what it means, exactly. And there's nothing you could do really to bring the parents' life back like this. So the value of taking care of the parents is great. What about if non-Muslim parents? What if I had non-Muslim parents? Alhamdulillah, I'm a convert. Uh, my parents are still non muslims So what do I do in this case? Do I still need to uh, show them Walidain? What if one of my parents, subhanAllah, yes, they were born Muslims, but frankly, I don't think they're Muslims at all. Maybe they are apostated. I don't know. So what do I do in this case? The same thing. You still need to do walidain to them. In this story, Assad Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu arda, he said, قالت, حلفت, his mom, she vowed not to eat, not to drink, until he leaves the Prophet, otherwise she's willing to die. Like she went on hunger strike basically. Until you leave Muhammad or I will die. So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala revealed bihi ilmun fala If they strive, if they endeavor to persuade you to do whatever they can, to take you away from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't obey them. But then Allah Azza wa Jal put a disclaimer over here, or qualification to that. He says, قَال, وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا Still though, keep good companionship with them. Now my dear brothers and sisters, this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about non-Muslim parents who might be causing some reverts and converts, brothers and sisters, troubles. They go through a lot of hardship, like I've, I've heard from many, many brothers and sisters who their parents, they they cut him off, and they always harass them with this, and every time they try to come closer to them, subhanAllah, they they do things, let's say they uh, uh, purposely, they serve uh, alcohol in front of them, or they harass them, basically. But still, they're willing to go and take care of their parents and make sure that they're okay. Some people, they come to me, and their parents are Muslims. But because they have some issues with them, they're willing to cast kufr on their parents, but not treat them good. Like a very common scenario I get from from young ones uh, when, let's say, a, a young man wants to marry a specific lady and her father says no. No, no, no. Whether because of cultural or socioeconomic status or whatever that is. Now, the funny thing is that they send me an email and say, yeah, Sheikh, you know that her father doesn't pray. I said, okay. Like her father sometimes say bad words, you know. Like they want to get him out of Islam so they can get married. I said, listen, Allah in this ayah says if they were non-Muslims, you still need to have good companionship with them. Imagine if they're Muslims, but still difficult to deal with. That companionship, that good companionship becomes more mandatory upon you. In the story of Asma bint Abu Bakr-Siddif, when she moved to Medina, her mom one day showed up in Medina all of a sudden. And Asma was confused, didn't know what to do because you know it was the first time for them living in a Muslim community. And now suddenly, non-Muslim mother comes in, so she doesn't know, should I honor her, take care of her, what do I do? So she told her mom, wait. Like, can you imagine, her mom came all the way from Mecca, and now she wants to visit her, and she's like confused, she didn't know what to do. But she didn't want to do anything wrong, so she still told her mom, just wait. And she went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, My mother, she came visiting, and she's kind of like hopeful that I would help her out. What do I do? And the Prophet Sallallahu was surprised that she even needed to ask the question. "Subhanallah, Go ahead, take care of your mom. Like, there is no question about it. Just take, take care of it. So again, it is very important. It's very crucial that you take care of your parents, regardless whether they're Muslims or non-Muslims. Okay, so how do I define that? Now, we talked about Birr walidain in many, many different ways. So how, we de- how do we define that? I'm, I'm talking in general terms because I'm going to, inshallah, wait for questions from you about specifics. But let's talk about these general things. First thing we know about Bir al is that it's considered wajibun Ghair muqaddar. In fiqh and usool, the ulama they define wajibat. Some of them are considered wajibun muqaddar and wajibun Ghair muqaddar. Let's talk about wajibun muqaddar. If you have wajibun muqaddar means measured, like something calculated and measured. Like what? Zakah. Is it wajibun muqaddar, which means calculated and measured or not? What do you guys think? It's measured, right? How much do you pay zakah? Oh my God! On money, how much you pay Zakah? All your money, right? Two point five percent of your excess wealth. You pay two point five percent of your excess wealth. So this two point five percent is measured, right? Okay, fasting Ramadan is it measured obligation or unmeasured obligation? It's measured. How do you measure that? Number of days. And you know where it starts, where it ends, right? So it's measured already. So these are considered measured uh, wajibat. None measured wajibat or an when the wajib is, is open, but there is no specific in terms of its own items. Like what? al alwalideh. Like you're obligated, it's an obligation upon you to show your parents dutifulness and kindness and bir, right? But how to define it? It wasn't mentioned. How was mentioned in the Quran? Allah called what? إحسانا, with excellence, with perfection. So when Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in general terms, it is left for the society to decide that based on the culture and time. So here, and that's where we come, when we come to the subject of Al-Adha. But before that, no obedience, no matter what you're gonna do, if your parents are requesting or asking you to do anything, anything, that it entails disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you tell them no. Whether your parents, they want you, for example, to quit your salah. Or they want you to do, commit something haram. Or to, do, to quit something that is obligation upon you. Whatever that is. If the circumstances are not severe in a certain situation, you don't obey them. You say, you know what? I love you. I care about you. I know that I have to do it better than to you. But in this area, I can't. I have to do it. This is my salah. This is my deen. So you have to do that. But again, with Ihsan, with excellence, with kindness, with perfection as well. Then comes Al-Aada. There's one rule in Islamic uh, uh, fiqh uh, under, the, under the category of what we call them Al-Qawa'id Al-Fiqhiyyah, the maxims that govern Islamic law. These maxims that govern Islamic law, there speci- are, are many. One of them, among the major ones, is called al to Muhakkama, which means custom rules. And when does custom rules? It rules when there is no textual evidence to say something about that particular matter. Like if there's Quran or Sunnah to determine certain obligation, I'll go about the Quran and Sunnah. If there wasn't, then what do I do? I go about what the culture says in this regard. But which culture? The common dominant culture in our time. As long as there's no contradiction with the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hence, the subject of our time, the culture of our parents, Versus the culture of this generation. Two different things, right? Who decides that? By the way, we still as Muslim community living in America, we are living a transitional culture. Like it's not already set in stone for generations like it was for our parents. They grew up in that culture with their parents and their grandparents and so on. No, we are in transition. Because we live in America and suddenly the Muslim community is very, very diverse. Everybody brought their own tradition with them. Some cultures, parents are very actually involved in the kids' lives. Some other cultures, they're not very much involved. Hands off, probably. Some others, maybe they see things different than others. So all these differences right now, as our kids are learning these things and adapting these things, now they're developing a new tradition. And even, sometimes, so even some of the parents are adapted to these changes as well, too. Like some parents who thought that they might be very strict and very hands-on parents, they learn new, new tricks and new skills that's just becoming hands off. So we're shifting. It's a transitional culture. Therefore, when we say, what is Birul Walidain, We need to understand what is considered acceptable and what is unacceptable in our time as well, too. Comes back to the idea of speaking with your parents. Back in the days, just replying to the parents when they ask you a question, it was considered blasphemy. Just replying to a question, you are answered like you have to give an answer silently, just like they have to understand that you got the question you answer just, you know, by doing. That's all. Yeah. Now you don't, you don't just reply to the question, you some people, some, some kids, sometimes they basically answer back. Would answering back be considered offensive to the parents, is that considered haram, considered, you know, the, uh, disobedience to our parents. This is where culture comes in. Some parents, they don't have any problem with that. Like I asked some parents, I said, what's the problem? If my son, for example, I tell him something, he just kind of says, no, I'm not going to do it. And the parent doesn't get offended by that. Some parents are cool. But other parents are just like, are you kidding me? And you're going to eat my food and live under my roof? Get out of here. Right? Again, cultural standards are shifting and changing. So when someone asks the question, says, is that considered disrespectful or not? The right answer to this today is just like, okay, what is the common culture of your household, what do you guys, you know, what do you do? What is, the, what is common to you? And if, if this is for them considered, you know, off limits, then absolutely, I will, I will agree. I would say, yeah, Then in this case, they shouldn't be saying that. They shouldn't be speaking like this. So we learn that, and we're going to have to determine what is considered cultural versus something considered religious and Islamic and so on. What about rolling eyes, Ajma? Rolling the eyes. Is that considered the... Uh, or disobedience to to the parents or being undutiful to your parents? You know, when you talk to your parents and the kid just like... That movement, just that movement. What do you guys consider this? Is that good or bad? How many of you say it's bad? Raise your hand if you say it's bad. How many of you say, no, it's good? No, we're not talking about joke, we're talking about you're serious, okay? Okay, how many of you say, no, it's neutral? Okay, so the vast majority over here agree that this is considered bad. So the culture of our time, according to this now survey, non-scientific survey, is you cannot roll your eyes when your parents talk to you. Agree, Jemaah? We, we established this right now. So whether you say, it was, it's not a big deal, or it is considered a big deal based on our perception of rolling the eyes. Even though it's not mentioned in the Quran, But something similar to what was mentioned in the Qur'an, which is what? Saying, oh, just like, that in itself is a a major sin. Okay. Also, it has different levels. Like we said, we were talking about the different levels of Birul Walidane. Depends on the categories. And finally, it's also age appropriate. What does that mean? When you say age appropriate, obviously, dealing with little children and the expectation from children in terms of, you know, Birul Walidane and the older ones, you cannot equate that. But we also have a cultural shift in our time. What is that cultural shift? We having small families, small families in terms of the number of children, and sometimes we have huge age gap between the children. As a result, what happens? What do you guys expect to have if you have a small number of children, but you have a huge age gap between the older and the younger ones? What would happen? I know there's a generation gap, but what is it? What, is, what, is hap- what happens to the kids in this situation, especially the younger ones? Besides being spoiled, for sure they're spoiled, but besides that, yes? The younger ones are acting like adults in, uh, when they're five probably already. Like I have one, I don't know if she's eight or not, but anyway, <laughs> she's nine, she's already acting 19. Why, because she's grew up with, with when she was born, we had teenagers already. So by the time she became conscious for what's going on, they're already actually adult brothers and sisters. So she's trying to act like her siblings do. And as a result, you have nine years old speaking like 19 to you. I'm just like, are you serious? What kind of language is this? Why this attitude? It's not their fault. It's just growing up in a different dynamic right now. And that dynamic shifted. So therefore, we're going to come with share the questions. So again... Because of the age, of age situation, parents also need to be conscious on why my kids acting like this, why do they behave in this way. It's not just because they want to be disobedient, it's says there is a cultural shift, our kids are learning. And as a result, we have this kind of conversation, different you know, style of conversation with our children. So what is it that we expect from our, our parents, our parents expecting from us? Number one is when we say, the thing that comes to our mind is kindness. And when we say kindness, what does it mean exactly? I don't want to put any limitation on kindness. But being kind, being generous, being nice, whether in the way you talk to them, the way you look at them, the way you respect them, all of that stuff. So what about kissing their hands? Kissing the hands of your parents. Is that considered an act of kindness, Ajama? Yeah, Ya, jama? ya jama. How many of you say, well, I don't want to because I don't want to get in trouble with your parents. But anyway, now, basically, we're looking at that is also we grew up in a culture. Kissing the hands of parents was the norm. Today, man, parents are soliciting that from their children and their kids are like, ah. They're just laughing about it because it's just a joke right now. No longer like it used to be in the past. So is that considered kindness? Absolutely. What about kissing their foreheads? Same thing, too. So the the concept of kindness, expand that as much as you can. When it comes to obedience, what do you mean by obedience right now? Does it mean in everything? What if it was something, you know, related to my life choices? And again, remember, age appropriate. So kids who are younger, obviously, when when parents tell you something, do it. Do they have to explain why? Maybe not. But when you become older, obviously, the expectation is that they're going to have to have conversation over this. Especially if it's going to be my marriage, for instance. Or it's going to be my, you know, career choices or anything like that. And some parents, they're adamant at, you know what, you have to be a doctor. Or you have to be a teacher. You have to be an imam. You have to be this, right? Because for them, they, want not, they, want, they would like success for you. And they see it in a certain way. So therefore, the conversation right now goes from just regular conversation to now, you have to listen to your parents. Obey your parents. So the subject of obedience has also its own limitation as well. Our ulama they say... You obey them in whatever, actually, it is. So if there is manfa, which means good and benefit for the parents, and no harm on you. And no harm on you. But if they ask for a benefit for themselves that causes harm to you, then that's something questionable. Maybe it requires some involvement of a sheikh to say, hey, shaykh, could you talk to my parents? Could you talk to my child? Can we understand if this is right, my right or mm-hmm. my child's rights? We have to get involved somehow with knowledge to help us to go through this, inshallah. Finance, the same thing too. My parents, they require my support and my help, especially when they reach that age where they become financially dependent on you. But what if your parents, alhamdulillah, they're, alhamdulillah, they're, 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 they're self uh, sufficient and independent from you? If they were independent, do you still have to give them, you know, every month? Not necessarily. If they're self-sufficient, they don't need that money, then you don't have to give them that money. But what about the hadith that, you know, the Prophet says, you and your wealth belongs to your parents. What does that mean? Well, the ulama they say, say that actually, ulama, the majority of the ulama, they say the meaning of this hadith said basically, if parents, they have a need to it, they can even take from the money of their children without, of course, taking permission. However, don't take this word right now Open like this because parents they go to like alhamdulillah, I have access to their bank account. No, you can't do this. But bil ma'ruf, and that was considered reasonable. But if the parents become at certain in certain position in life where they're physically, in, uh, financially they require help and assistance, it becomes an obligation upon the children to help their, their, their parents with that. Who is responsible? Is it the oldest, the youngest, the middle child? Now, that's actually a cultural arrangement. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who, but as long as they all agree to take care of their parents, inshallah The du'a, our parents don't require du'a from us, right? They absolutely need that du'a on a regular basis. Does it have to be for a specific need or do you make du'a all the time for them? All the time. In salah, after salah, before salah, when you remember them, you make du'a for them. And we say making du'a for them in that which is khayr. Okay, what if they were not the best parents to me? Do, best, do good du'a for them as well too. Because, subhanAllah, their goodness benefits everybody. But if they go bad and rogue, yeah, there's harm. But subhanAllah, their goodness benefits everybody. Language. We talk to them, speak to them with respect. That includes the language itself, mean, appropriate language, also the the tone of the language, and and, and many more. So when you speak to them, you speak to them with, with respect. Use appropriate words and language. And again, when you talk to them, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, that you have to lower the wings of humility to them. So when you, spoke, when you speak to them, not loud, uh, with, staghfirullah, you know, cuss words or bad words, you don't talk to your parents like you talk to your friends, unless, of course, parents usually actually are cool with this. Like some parents, they don't mind it. They act with their kids like their age. Is that good or bad? I can't say, but it depends. In some situations, can be really bad. Because there has to always be that kind of, you know, uh, level of respect between parents and their children. Even if you want to be a friend with your kids, you still need to stay the parent. That's because otherwise if you kill that kind of difference between you and them and you become equal with your kids, they don't see any value listening to you. Like, why do I listen to you like my friend? Have to keep that gap between you and your children. What if they die? Does it stop? absolutely not in hadith abu Sayyid malik ibn rabi'a al-sa'idi radiyallahu anhu, he said that the, i asked the prophet I asked the prophet sallallahu you know my parents they passed away is there anything left for me to do in order to continue with my my walidain and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave him four things he says number 1 ad-du'a wal-istighfar you make dua and seek istighfar forgiveness for them number 2 when fa'du fulfill their promises and their dues, if they have, if they have any promises, or, you fulfill that for them. Number three, Honor their, their friends, they have any friends, neighbors, they, they knew from, from before, so you take care of them as well. And maintain the tie of kinship that doesn't get, get connected, except through them, like making sure that you connect with your parents and with the relatives that they left behind. Now, to how far would that, that going to be? That's a discussion we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about tomorrow morning, inshallah. as we talk about the extended family. Like, okay, what does that mean? Does it mean you know, I have to go to my great-grand-aunt who is maybe 70 years older than me? Not necessarily, but at least we say you're going to have to maintain a healthy relationship with them, inshallah. In addition to that, the Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith that if anyone dies, their good deeds, the, the book of good deeds will, will come to an end, will stop, except of three things. Sadaqatun jariyah that run in charity that you do on their behalf. Beneficial knowledge that they leave behind and you help and participate in that. Or a righteous child that makes dua to their family. Imagine if you have one child who can do all these things to their parents. May Allah make us a of Now, opposite to bur al waladain is what? al Being undutiful to your parents. We explain burr. Being the bar, which is basically very spacious and wide and has no boundaries and, and all that stuff. And being good. What about where it's coming from? It's come from the verb akka, يعقّ wal والعقّ Well اللغة al is a shak. A shak basically when there's a crack in the ground, and then that starts expanding and expanding, expanding, and becomes more like a valley. If you look at this picture, there's a meaning for this picture why I chose this actually for you. I don't know if you, if you recognize this picture, but if anyone in, ever uh, been to Medina, lived in Medina, this is Wadi Al-Aqiq. Wadi Al-Aqiq was mentioned many, many Ahadith. I don't know if you have seen the picture or the videos that came from Medina the past few, maybe a uh, couple of past two years. The weather change and the climate change, and when there's rain, what happens in Medina? Floods. Those who go out of the season, when they go to Medina, everything is dry there. Just like, how where on earth are these rivers coming out from? This is what they call the Wadi Al-Aqiq. When the, when the rain... Falls in the desert or the mountains because it's desert and mountains are always is rocky, so all the water gathers together and it goes into specific trenches. And these trenches are actually they they uh, they, they form these uh, rivers, temporary rivers. So the water runs in there. And there was some hadith of the Sahaba radiallahu when one of them he wanted to come to Salatul Jama'ah and he asked the Prophet sallallahu wa alaihi wasallam if he could come because between him and the Masjid there was al al And he says, when I go there, it might be you know uh, flooded. So the Prophet i gave him permission to pray at home, and then he says, "If you hear the adhan, you need to come." al aqiq. So it's called aqiq because again, aq is the ashq That's number one. Basically, like the trench in the ground. And why is it called ukukul waladeen? What's the What's the correlation over here? Because when you do ukukul walidayn being undutiful to your parents, you're just like creating this trench between you and them. You just like there's an earthquake. that results in in splitting the earth. Two pieces. So عقوق الوالدين is just like splitting that kind of life between you and your parents. Like creating this huge valley. And that trench becomes so scary. Like a cliff. You look down there, there's like a huge cliff down there. So that's the first thing. The second thing, عقوق, also, there's another word called العقيق. You know what العقيق is, Jama? It's a precious stone. What is the color of al العقيق? Actually, it's usually red. Exactly. So Why? Because it's the color of the blood, and that's why when uh, when a child is born, what do we perform? Aqiqah, and what is Aqiqah? It's basically sacrifice of the animal. You do the shak, the ak, which is basically the little, you know, that animal that produces the blood, and that's why it's called also Aqiqah. So the whole idea is urukul waladeen. In the word itself, it looks and sounds extremely awful. You think of being undutiful to your parents just like, like, like cutting them off from your life. It's just like cutting their, their throats and spilling their blood. That's what it means. Like you completely kill that relationship. That's what the meaning of And that's so ugly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains some of these expressions of in the ayat in Surah Al-Isra and other surahs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordained. He decreed that you worship him and only him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, بِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إحسانا, And be dutiful to your parents. Then he says, He says, when one or two of them, one or both of them, reaches their age, and Allah says, عندك. The word عند, which means with you. What does that mean? The expectation is that the, when they grow old, they grow old with you, under your care. That's what it means. It's implied... In the ayah, they're supposed to be under your care. Whether it's financial, physical, emotional, it's under your care. أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا often. Never ever say off or blow air in front of their face. Like showing any kind of discomfort, you know, with them. وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا Let alone you raise your voice by, you know, kind of like insulting them. وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا You always speak noble words to them. Didn't mention what kind of words. But he says قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا Noble words to your parents. What if they said something bad to me? Replying that which is best. All the time. And he says, Lower your wings of humility to them. And say, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, have mercy on them. Now, the ulema, of course, today we know that it's not just about the verbal communication with your parents that is required as part of, you know, taking care of them. Also the emotional care. Like that sense of lowering your, the wings of humility to them, that is now the emotional care that your parents need in time like this. Allah Azza Jalla has given us a warning. He gave an example of somebody who truly he said, off to his parents. Like seriously, he denies his parents and their path. And But SubhanAllah, the parents, no matter what, they always have their hearts with their children. They say, Always, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. And he keeps saying, Ya Allah, for him. Please, have faith. Listen to us. But obviously, you know, subhanAllah, not all was our wish, always was granted. Look at Nuh alayhi salam. No matter how many years he gave da'wah, still end up with a son and a child who was disobedient. And <clears> Abi <throat> Bakr radiallahu anhu, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam, ala nabiakubi akbar al-kaba'ir. The Prophet sallallahu the He counts the greatest of all sins. And among them he said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He says One of the things he mentioned Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is being undutiful to your parents one of the greatest sins anyone can ever commit in their life. Some people they complain to me that their life is miserable and they're not going through success. And so I said, how is your relationship with your parents? Sometimes Subhanallah, it can become a block. There's no barakah in their lives. And in the story of Ali bin Abi Talab on his deathbed when people they came to him and they asked him if there's anything the Prophet Sallallahu has given you exclusively, you and your family, from the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said nothing exclusive except for these things, these words. And he mentioned one of them, he says, Qala, And in that word he says, uh, um, uh, And he says that Allah curses the one who curses his parents. Allah curses the one who curses his parents. Now, some of the Sahaba might be, To uh, another hadith, some of the Sahaba, when they heard the Prophet ﷺ saying that uh, among the worst people is the one who curses his parents, How is a person going to curse his parents or swear, you know, cuss words of their parents? رجل رجل. You go and you curse someone's parents, and what do they do? They reply back by, by cursing your parents both, which means avoid bringing the parents of other people in any conversation. Which is unfortunately, unfortunately, it's the most common things in the culture sometimes. When someone is arguing with somebody else, what do they say? You and your dad, right? Sometimes the mother are cursing her children about their father, her husband, basically. Right? When they use the word lan, the curse. Absolutely horrible. What about if parents fail us? What do we do? Is it even possible? Like we talk about parents, alhamdulillah, their, their haqq and their right is all the way up there. No doubt about it. To be dutiful to them is all the way up there. Yes, in a reasonable way. But is there any scenarios, any situations where parents fail their children? Of course they do. They do. Like in one of the stories, uh, some they say Umar al Khattab, others they say was there actually another uh, uh, governor of Medina. When, his, uh, when a man came to him, and he was a shepherd, so he came to complain that his son, his son, he whipped him. The son whipped the father, and it's just like he was so hurt by that. And he came to me says, "Ya al muminin I taught my son everything he needs to learn about being a good shepherd, being a good farmer, taking care of the the camels and the and the, and, and, and the bulls and this and that." He goes, "Did you send him to the masjid to learn the Quran?" Because no, we're shepherds, we're desert people. We don't have time for this. Blah blah blah. Okay, did you send him to? Uh, uh, to learn the adab and the etiquette, so how to take care of parents. And so he goes, well, you know, we're very shepherds. We're desert people. So eventually the, he told him, You've been undutiful to your child before he became undutiful to you. And he says, your child, he only learned how to take care of, how to steer your know, animals. So when you disobeyed him, he just whipped you. That's what he knows. If something doesn't go your way, just whip it and just go that way. And unfortunately, some people, they, they, they do like this. May Allah protect us, ya Rabbil Alameen. But yes, some parents can be difficult parents. Now, being difficult does not necessarily being impossible, but that requires a skill. It's a skill as a younger generation. You guys need to learn to negotiate. I repeat, you need to learn to negotiate. Some of you might say, Sheikh, you don't know my parents. I don't have to know your parents. But I know, with emotional intelligence, you can make things happen. You can make things happen. You can negotiate, you can take it to the next level, you can deal with them, you can exchange things. But yes, you can negotiate things with the parents. What about neglectful parents? Neglectful parents, give an example. And that's a real real, question that came to me from one of the sisters who said that, you know, she was 26 at the time when she sent that question. She goes, my father, he disappeared from our life completely. He just, when I was born, when she was young, they got divorced, and he disappeared from her life completely. But then when she became 26, she's about to get married. Suddenly, out of nowhere, lo and behold, her father is coming to demand his uh, uh, his wali position as the one who says, no, you're not going to marry this guy. Where's this guy coming from? You're not going to marry this guy. Like, Where did you come from? Right? So she's asking... Does he have the right to demand his haq of being the wali right now in that moment and say, no, you, have, you need to have my permission for, for this marriage? What do you guys think? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but he's the father. He is the father. Huh? But he's the father. He's the father. Huh? You guys being judgmental right now, okay? You see, I gave you a question. I gave you a very uncertain scenario. Before you give an answer, you have to investigate. Yes, being a neglectful parent is bad. But then we need to start investigating why. Is it because the mom, maybe she took the girl and disappeared? Did she try to cut him off completely? Was he taking care of them financially? Has there been an arrangement for that? There are many, many reasons. Maybe he was in jail, right? I don't know, but we have to investigate. So being neglectful itself, it's really bad. That's true. If there is no reason for him to be away from their life, and he just chose to, to cut himself up because he wanted to enjoy life, away from your responsibility, him coming after 20 plus years to become the wali, he already actually lost that position by choice. When someone drops his haq and his right to be the wali and then come at the end, they come, hey, I need my wali back my position back, it's too late for that. So eventually, there are certain rules for that. These are called فضخصومات, which means litigations needs to be actually discussed in that manner. Abusive parents, what does that mean? Now, today, even people, they argue about the meaning of being abusive. Like some parents, when you ask them about you know, physical abuse, they say, well, this is how we grow up, right? Now, maybe it was okay for you guys, but doesn't mean it's okay today. Maybe it's not okay in this society, in this culture as well, too. So yes, there is abuse, but we need to define. Is that emotional abuse, verbal abuse, Uh, and subhanAllah, I've I've learned a lot that parents sometimes, unfortunately, some parents can really be abusive, even with language, especially when they prefer being unfair parents. They prefer children over others. And I've learned that parents can prefer children over others for sometimes ridiculous reasons. Really, like the color of their skin. Like, wow, to that level? These are your kids. But some parents, they have issues with that. Cultural issues, it's so horrible long time. So therefore, yes, they can be actually unfair. To what level? Again, as we grow older, alhamdulillah, we start you know, having more control over our lives. And that's something we're going to learn that if, when we were young, maybe it was shame on them. But as we become older, inshallah, we need to learn that's now shame on me if I don't take care of my parents. And obviously, when it comes to sexual abuse, quickly inshallah ta'ala, sexual abuse, keep in mind when it comes to sexual abuse, it is considered a crime. Is that clear? And because it's a crime, it needs to be dealt with as such. And in some cultures, there is a lot of cover up, unfortunately, regarding these issues. But subhanAllah, it's it's a very dangerous and and very traumatic situation. I never really understood that, uh, how, how deep rooted in the culture sometimes this problem, the culture of shame, until you start dealing with cases like this. And we're bound by the law of the land in addition to the ethical role of our, of course, duty as Muslims and as Imams too. But that's a very dangerous issue and very dangerous situation. As we idealize you know, the role of parents in our lives and their hak and their rights, that doesn't mean we cannot take them, hold them accountable if they commit Crimes, but this is case by case scenario. We cannot discuss this actually open like this. Sinful parents, if they commit sins, is it my duty to always fix their problems or fix their sins? Well, it's my duty to give them the advice, and that's it. I'm responsible just to give them the advice. They're responsible to take that advice, not my responsibility. I'm only responsible to do my parts. Controlling parents, again, that goes back to define what control is. You can still learn to negotiate that, inshallah, ta'ala. Finally, I'm going to answer these questions quickly. Can my parents take my money without permission? We said they cannot unless they have haja and need for this. Do my parents have the right to decide for me about marriage and career? Well, the answer is no. That's actually your decision. However, that doesn't mean you don't consult with them or accept even their offers. Because trust me, sometimes your parents' propose and offers can be the best for you. So just because it's coming from your parents' side, don't reject it right away. Just like you don't want to take it just, you know, and, and, and take it right away because it was, you know, brought to, to you uh, through them. Take consideration of it, but the decision is yours. Do my parents have the right to ask me to divorce my spouse? The answer is no. What about the story of Umar al-Khattab, radiallahu anhu? Well, again, if, you're Umar, if your parents are Umar and you're bin Umar and you have Rasulullah to tell you that, Bismillah, go for it. But neither one of us is. So, therefore, we go, again, case by case scenario. Maybe they have a right to tell you, you know, you need to divorce her. Maybe they have the right to do that. So I will, again, it's litigation cases. There's not a fatwa situation anymore. You have to understand the circumstances to give an answer to this. After marriage, do I have to live with my parents? We're gonna discuss this tomorrow, inshallah wa ta'ala, when we talk about extended family and the in-laws, bin wallahu ta'ala. How do you show birr al-walidain to parents if you don't live with them? Very good question. How do you show better wedding to parents if you don't live with them? Now, it really depends on how far you live. Subhanallah, some of the ulama, they mentioned even, it can be a blessing in disguise. What does that mean? The closer you are to them, the more responsibility you have towards your parents. The farther you are, your responsibility comes through what? Keep a check on them, making sure that they're okay, call them frequently. If it requires to do video calling, should, you should do that. If it requires for me to send them gifts, money, this and that, maybe have someone to check you know, for you. On, on them, there are a lot of ways of, it, of, of taking care of that. Also, if you take care of, you know, calling their, uh, their parents, your grandparents, for example, every now and then to check on them as well too. So all of that can be part of, uh, of Birul Walidain. In addition to what the Prophet S.A.W. mentioned, لهما لهما, making dua for them, seeking forgiveness uh, for them from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And also if you have an opportunity to be nice to their friends if they live nearby, Take care of that as well too. So there are so many ways we can take care of our parents. Inshallah. What does it What does it mean to fail one's parents when they're old? Can you please clarify with that hadith? Failing the parents? Oh. Yeah. When in their when they're old? Yeah, to fail your parents when you are old. Please clarify because it sounded vague. Well, as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentioned that when they become uh, uh, when they reach that age, they are Kilahuma, they now under, supposed to be under your care. And uh, um, there's more details to that, obviously, but it's case-by-case scenario, like if parents require physical care, financial care, and you're the only child that they have, or maybe the only child available in that area. In this case, it becomes your duty and responsibility to take care of that. But if you live nearby, and you have siblings living overseas, for example, and then you say, well, it's not my duty, that everybody's actually responsible for this. In this case, no, we have to actually take take in consideration you have uh, easy access to them, and therefore becomes more respons- responsibility on you to take care of them physically, but they can provide financial support in this case. Or again, it goes back to case-by-case case scenario, they might rotate if they can by traveling around. So there's a lot actually of way of answering this question. Jazakallah Khair. Inshallah, This will conclude this session. Inshallah, we'll begin the Q&A in about uh, five minutes.